Welcome to EU Code Week podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hey everyone, we're happy that you tune in again. I am Eugenia Casariego from Spain. And I'm Ariana Blažić from Croatia. We are your hosts today. We are both part of the EU Code Week team and we are passionate about digital technologies, teaching and education. And with this series of podcasts, we would like to contribute to change the way we teach coding in Europe and to adapt it to the challenges of our time. Today, we are going to talk about media literacy. We are going to have a look at why digital media literacy gets more and more important in the digitalized world. Exactly, but we don't want to talk about this just the two of us. So this is why we have invited two guest speakers who are experts on the topic. So welcome, Mariana and Thea from Croatia. Um, hello, everybody. So my name is Mariana Smolčec and I am an English and Croatian language teacher based in uh, Ogulin, a small town, and have been working in the secondary school, uh, Bernardin Frankopan Grammar and Vocational School for the past 20 years. And also uh, for the few past six years, I have been also an active e-tweening featured uh, group, uh, inclusive education group administrator. So that's basically it. I have two sons. And and they are, uh, the older one is in love with coding, so I also had to learn some coding. Nice, thanks a lot, Mariana. Good to hear as well that your son is also involved into coding. And Thea, what brings you here? What's your experience? Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Thea Horvatic. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm English teacher. I teach English in a small suburban school in the north of Croatia in a village Strahoninets near Čakovets. I have been teaching there for 12 years now and I'm also a mentor to other teachers. I love incorporating other uh, various technology in my lessons and I love doing projects with my students. I believe that learning is fun and especially when you're interested in what you learn and it never ends. So thank you both. Uh, we are very happy to have you here. My first question would be, so today, as uh, Ariana just mentioned, we want to touch the topic of media literacy and more in particular, digital media literacy. So can you tell us what do you understand as digital media literacy and um, whomever would like to start? Media literacy is actually a part of digital literacy, right? It's uh, something we could say new. We could say that it is an ongoing process and it's not going to stop very soon. It has a great impact to the world, right? Right? because uh, uh, media literacy uh, is the ability uh, to identify different types of the media. When we were younger, those were probably only newspapers and TV, maybe radio. But nowadays, these uh, traditional medias are not so much important or not so much influenced to our students. But mainly today, those are text messages, memes, viral media, social media, uh, and especially video games, advertising, and I'm sure uh, Thea could uh, add a few more. Teaching about uh, media literacy and talking about it, it's really important. And it has to come not only from school, but also at home, because young students and older students and grown-ups as well, everyone is involved with media and various content. And 
as we create content, we have to be responsible in using it. So thinking critically about producing something and thinking before posting something online, especially on social media, is really important and should be taught in schools in all the subjects. You mentioned how important it is to teach our students media literacy, to help them develop their media literacy skills. You also want your students to create online content. Can you please explain why it is important to teach our students to create content? Well, as part of uh, English teaching, uh, we teach all the four skills. So listening, reading, writing and speaking. And of course, media has been a great help in recording those skills and posting it online, especially within project work. So besides learning to think critically, they get to evaluate media. They have to decide what is the message that they want to send out. In general, they have to recognize some of the key ideas and how to um, give them to their audience. It's also very important to think about the perspective. So uh, every creator has their own point of view. And not only that before they create something, they need to read about it. They need to do a lot of facts checking. They also get to appreciate different perspectives uh, and put them into different contexts. So all of this helps them create media responsibly, especially when we uh, talk about respecting copyright and using somebody else's pictures, photos, audio clips, music and so on. So when teaching uh, media literacy, we actually help our students develop so many different skills, including language skills, but also critical thinking skills. What about you, Mariana? Uh, what are uh, some of the benefits uh, of teaching students to be creators? The benefits is uh, they should get more smarter of the information they receive. I think uh, one of the greatest ideas is uh, when students uh, get a certain message, when they read an information, where they hear the information, where they see the infographics or something, they think that automatically is correct. That is true. This is the fact. We always have to, you know, provoke them. Are you sure? Have you checked all the facts? Especially as I'm teaching in secondary schools, students usually say, oh, I found it on Google. Yes, but they should also research more academical sites also, or not just Google, try to use Google Scholar, uh, try to use even the media newspapers, uh, go to the library and then check the facts. You have to make them think. You have to make them think and provoke them. And sometimes when they make a mistake, maybe when they copy something, you have to be the one to tell them, yeah, well, okay, but it's not good. You have to check the copyright have to check the facts. But teacher, it's on internet. I know. But what if you have posted something online and you find this information that somebody has, let's say, stolen it? And how would you feel? So I know it's a, a bit simply explained, but um, I try to do it simply as possible in the class. As, as older they get, more critically aware they are. Doing cross-curricular cooperation, I think it's a real benefit when you can do co-teaching or when you can do some cooperation with other teachers from other schools or from your own school, because uh, you can learn from their subject what they do. For example, I do a lot of cooperation with ICT and also with Librarian. Um, we have a film group that does these beautiful uh, videos and we always uh, consult each other. How can 
can we do better? How can we explain things to children from the earliest age, how to respect others, how to get their thoughts out, you know, incorporate everything into teaching. So not only can it be done in English lessons, it can be done really in all the lessons uh, cross-curricularly. Now in the next section, we're going to take these findings into schools and we'll be talking about different teaching activities. And so back to that question that I just asked. So how can we actually teach media literacy in schools? What are your experiences, for example, now, Thea, you were mentioning that you approach different sections of the school. So can you tell us a bit more about how you actually go about it and, and what's your experience so far? Well, part of the learner autonomy is getting students to be independent. So they have to choose their own uh, ICT tool. What are they going to use um, in their presentations or videos? I had some uh, beautiful lessons uh, when they were searching for authentic texts. For example, they were reading and writing reviews online. So they had to think critically about what they have seen, for example, uh, after watching a, a movie or even when searching for something that we do in our own time, uh, searching for hotels or searching for flights or finding a great destination destination for our holidays. It can also be incorporated in teaching. So they had to find a perfect holiday for their class and they had to make a presentation about it and present everything. So this all not only incorporated searching for the right information uh, because they usually would go on Google and click the first link that they saw. So they got to uh, learn what are advertisements, what to click, what not to click. It's really interesting when you uh, open their minds and um, teach them something uh, valuable for life. And in the end, some of the students uh, actually went to London with their parents in their free time, thanks to this lesson. So I think it's quite valuable um, when they uh, make those kind of presentations uh, that are authentic. We also did connecting with Minecraft, where they were learning uh, about uh, different uh, types of media in Minecraft. So all of the lessons can be incorporated in different tools and they learn a bit by bit every day. And in the end, after eight years, you, you get independent uh, users, or at least they know um, what's right, what's not right in media uh, and how to use it. A very nice combination of uh, school content and uh, real life. Uh, Mariana, what about uh, some other activities and tools? Well, with teenagers, we go even a step further, even though I think Thea has already been on the right track. Sometimes when I follow the curriculum, I uh, try to choose the proper textbook, which already incorporates great lessons that will teach media literacy and digital learning, because this is the future. This is something that we have to have in our course books nowadays. And then, uh, uh, as uh, Thea mentioned, uh, 
media like YouTube, TVs, uh, films. This is something that my students usually react to. And especially when I talk about stealth marketing. Another lesson in another class was about clickbaits. That was so much fun uh, because uh, they are very good at clickbaits. They are a, a 17 year old. Uh, and I told them, okay, so we were listening a podcast about people, how he or she fell for a certain clickbait. And I told them, okay, think how would you create a so-called clickbait and make us believe it's real. That sounds great, Mariana, as well. And I really like that you incorporate real life problems into your classrooms and make it relevant for students because indeed that's what motivates them to learn. And I think that's actually uh, now a very good moment to remind our listeners that both Thea and Mariana have contributed to developing a learning bit for you, Codewick, on precisely, of course, media literacy. And so for our listeners, if you're interested in this topic, one resource that you can use, uh, just go to codewick.eu, go to the um, website for schools, where you will find learning bits and you will also find a learning bit of media literacy. So when can you start teaching media literacy uh, to young children? Are there any activities that we might say I, uh, would be easier for small children? The idea of uh, teaching student uh, copyrights could be could start at an early age between seven and eleven, and I would say because at least they they are very young and I'm sure that they are also uh, browsing the net, searching, uh, or maybe creating their own contact uh, in school and uh, they should be aware what is theirs, what is others, and what could be, might, might be free. So maybe just basically having them like uh, copyright free, this is, you can use it, it's public, it's okay, you can mention where you find it or not, it's, it depends. But make sure if uh, something is uh, creative common, uh, definitely use it, but say it's done or created by this and this person. Uh, and, or if it is a copyright protected, make sure to mention the author, even contact the author if you are allowed to use it. So there are things that could be done. And why am I saying this? Because I have been, as Thea, talking to many ICT teachers who are, you know, like in their curriculum, they have these digital skills in IT. And they tell me, well, we, we want them when they come to the, uh, to the fifth grade, when they are like 11 or 12 years old, we want them already to know that they can't use everything what they find on the internet. And, and uh, this is, uh, uh, again, something that uh, children should be taught very early, but I'm sure Thea would agree with me that we should already mention it. We should talk with our sons and our daughters and our children if they, we have them at home. Is it okay to use something? And I will just give firstly, quickly my example of my son when he started creating his own materials. He was a YouTuber at the age of nine, creating, producing, using copyright. I was always behind him. You know, you have to be careful with the music you are using. Is that okay? Is it yours? Um, and um, he was trying to follow my... Um, lead and then what happened uh, he was uh, contacted that somebody had stolen and downloaded his YouTube content which he created like a video tutorial of, of Minecraft of course they are right and uh, what happened uh, that um, uh, he was um, he was very sad he was disappointed but this is mine and it was even not mentioned on the other channel that this content was created by him so his friends and him 
uh, at the age of nine or ten, uh, reported this to YouTube quickly and they figured it out. And after that, he became even more aware of the copyright issues. He has edited his videos. He didn't use any copyright uh, music. He was using Creative Commons license, over mentioning. So he even uh, was aware, okay, now I see what does this mean. So yeah, you have to shock them first to, to see uh, uh, what could happen. That's an interesting story. I think he learned then about copyright the, the hard way, I have to say. <laughs> a pity, but well, if it raised awareness, but that's a very interesting story. Sometimes they need to be faced with the, with the reality of it. That's, uh, that's very interesting. Raising awareness of using resources found on, on the internet is uh, really very, very important. How can we combine media literacy and coding? So uh, I have tried using Scratch uh, with younger students because they love creating videos or their own games in Scratch. And it's really simple to use coding because they have these color blocks. Um, and also uh, older students have tried uh, Minecraft education, which is also perfect. It also has make code, Python or uh, Java. They can uh, use their skills in coding. And what my students of seventh grade made, um, it's really amazing. Um, they connect this all to their ICT classes and they won some competitions. They're really amazing. And you can learn a lot from uh, your students. Not just the other way around. Mariana? Yes, as I said, MIT App Inventor is something that I'm into. And even though I had been using, uh, you know, code or dot .org for them to make, to have fun or creating some very simple uh, ready-made activities. But actually, as I'm getting more into coding, I think that for the secondary school students, this would be great. Unfortunately, I can't always use the ICT lab, but as a mother of two Minecrafters, I try to introduce Minecraft but you know I mainly teach girls and some of those haven't been into Minecraft but then again there are students that I try to do coding within a certain project like in e-twinning projects for instance and then you get the students who are interested in coding and they can show off of what they know and it's not only in coding it's also in creating different medias and videos and those are the things that uh, the coding could be more used in my school and within my teaching. I see that both of you use Minecraft. Can you tell us a bit more about what are the advantages that you see in using Minecraft uh, in your teaching coding, especially media literacy? Okay, I have uh, fallen in love with Minecraft also thanks to my son, who is seven years old, and uh, he learned, he taught me uh, a lot. He uh, showed me the way Minecraft works. And once I could, of course, as a teacher, I, I always turn on my teacher brain and think about it. How can I use this in my classroom? I have developed some of the worlds where you can use books and quills within Minecraft so students get to read and write. They can also use cameras and build their own portfolios and they later they can export them to PDF. So you can use Minecraft as a presentation tool. You can use it as a creative thinking tool, um, even as, as a coding tool. The learning bit that we did was about uh, uh, recognizing clickbaits and it was also also interesting uh, to see how um, you can use any topic. 
I think it makes sense that one of the great advantages of Minecraft is precisely its flexibility and that you can use it in many different ways. So this is why it becomes such a good or interesting teaching tool indeed. What's your experience with this, Mariana? Um, how do you use Minecraft in teaching? What are the advantages that you see in it? Well, actually, I haven't been using it uh, much in secondary school. If a student or students have been playing it, usually I would get them to present, to tell us more about it. I have been playing it, of course, with my sons. There haven't been chances to introduce it more into my English teaching, but I know that many of my colleagues and uh, we have also been running uh, certain courses uh, about how to incorporate uh, teaching with Minecraft, especially its English language. There are many great benefits. The students can learn spelling, they communicate, they type, uh, they learn about many interesting things. Like Thea mentioned, you can create these lessons. When they create their worlds, they can even follow up recording these videos, taking create uh, stories. My point of view would only be taking a screenshots of certain worlds that my sons would create and just post them and ask students to invent a story. What is going on? So that is unfortunately because in secondary school there have been some students playing Minecraft and I remember he uh, recording a video of himself playing, using English, explaining that what he has created because he was very closed. Uh, he wasn't speaking that much in English. And then and when I figure out that Minecraft and coding is is, is his thing, then he was finally able to show off and t tell us what he can do and how he actually figure out, well, I can speak English, great, because I'm using it. I'm using it now by doing these things in Minecraft and then even creating a video tutorial about it. Thank you, Bud. No, that's actually very inspiring and very interesting to see as well that indeed it's what, as you just said, Mariana, is what motivates very often is um, you need to follow the students where they take you and you need to find what motivates them and what inspires them as well. So it's not uh, sometimes coming from the teacher, but coming from the student's idea. But it's very interesting as well that you listen actually to your students and uh, to what's actually useful to them. It's very difficult uh, for them sometimes to open Sometimes it can be only a passive way, but it doesn't matter as long as I get the aim and that is to, to learn, to think critically and to get this kind of background of knowledge. Yes, it's a perfect storytelling tool. Uh, later on, it's a good uh, reflection tool because they can use these portfolios and they can use these books they, they have created for their own learning. You get independent learners. And I also uh, have noticed that especially uh, great for uh, learners with learning difficulties or maybe even dyslexic learners because they can use the immersive reader, which is incorporated uh, within the uh, reading tool. So they get their texts read out loud or they can choose uh, the fonts, they can get it bigger or smaller, change the backgrounds. So I have used this a lot this year for my students. And so we are focusing now a bit uh, into the teaching aspect. And so in the next section, we want to ask you a few questions of tips and recommendations. So what advice would you give to our listeners who are teachers and as well parents like you? What advice would you give them to make their students or their children more aware of media literacy? Well, you have to keep up with the kids. Uh, it's impossible to think that you know everything. That's my first advice. And if you think that you know everything about media literacy, you are dead wrong. 
Children get online and use technology from the earliest age. So as soon as they get exposed, you should uh, react and you should educate them. And it should start from home, I believe. That's why teachers should get involved and um, have teacher-parent meetings and uh, have some sort of workshops with them to show them the basics of media literacy. And also it's very important for their bonding time uh, to see what their children are watching, what kind of YouTube videos are they uh, browsing so try to check the content of those channels and then subscribe only to the ones that are beneficial or that they are educational and they 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 can learn from and what I do uh, regularly or at least once per month I go on YouTube from my son's tablet and I remove all the videos and I just click on them not interested and you will get more regulated content you will get more of the things that you want for your child or not. Also, I have used uh, the app Family Link that you can get on Google Play. You can control the time your child spends online. You can also give them bonus time if they need it. Um, So in the end of the week, you can see how much screen time they have because technology addiction is also something that we have to talk about. And it's really important about being responsible. Thank you for mentioning all these important topics and giving these very useful pieces of advice for our listeners. You have mentioned internet safety. How can we help our students develop media literacy skills so that that they can navigate this media-rich world safely and responsibly. Yeah, again, we have to start from everyday activities. So you can incorporate this from your family life to your classroom life. What are we doing online? Why are we doing it? Uh, Who created the content that we are watching? Why did they make it? Are they trying to make money? Or uh, are they trying to do some educational uh, videos? Uh, who Who are the messages for? Is it appropriate for the children? So we have to do a lot of these questions in order to be responsible and stay safe online. Sometimes we can also do special days like Safer Internet Day uh, where children really show us how much they already know. And especially when using social media, some of my students do a lot of Snapchat and TikTok. They also have to uh, learn how to block inappropriate content and how to remove something that that is not right for them. Uh, If I can add up a little bit, I get a lot of ads and I like I'm an adult and my son just says, you should install ad blocker. Uh, sometimes uh, a good way of teaching digital literacy is also through playing these games. And there are many great online games uh, and even for teenagers and for children. They can teach you being awesome online, I think it's called. At first I thought it's only for the young learners, but when I introduced this to my uh, 15-year-old students, when we were talking about the Safer Internet Day in February and we were working online, you know, we were it was a, a distance learning and I told them, okay, I would like you to play this game. You can play it in Croatian or in English. I got a lot of great feedback. Teacher, I understood that I have to make a very strong password. I understood uh, what is spam. So kids are not readers. They are more, uh, they're learning more by doing something. So in that way, is this how I try to incorporate and teach safer internet online and just making them to be more productive and to think critically. 
media literacy uh, education has never been more important uh, for today's students than it is now. Tia, Mariana, before we close, is there something you would like to add, some takeaway message that you would like to remind our listeners? As I mentioned before, the media literacy is here. It's not going to uh, stop. It's an ongoing process. It's, as they say, it is a hot topic and uh, it will be here for a longer time. And it's very important to address media literacy to children at an early age and then just whether you are a parent, whether you are a teacher, just uh, have them understand it better and better so that they become good and experienced as they are growing older. It's all about the exchange of ideas and it's all about the process. You cannot uh, learn about media literacy in one day or in one lesson. You should give them bits by bit um, and in the end they will become media literate. Thank you, Thea. I think those are very good points and I think to sum up, uh, Sadiana was just saying media literacy is one of the crucial skills to do. And thanks as well for enlightening our listeners with uh, so many tips, tricks and recommendations I think we have all gotten some clarity out of today's conversation as well. Thank you to both. It's been a pleasure to have you here. We have reached the end of the day. We hope that you have liked the episode, listeners, and that you learned something new with us. Um, at our website, codebeek.eu, we have prepared many interesting tutorials for you that you can easily use to get started with teaching coding. And as well as we mentioned before, both Thea and Mariana have contributed to one of the latest learning bits of Codeweek, or the one focus, of course, on media literacy. So we warmly invite you to take the lesson plans that they have developed for students of primary and secondary and upper secondary as well. Well. So thank you to both there. Mariana, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you from my side too. Thank you, Mariana and Thea. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Goodbye.